Take your seats. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you this morning. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Great to have you this morning in the cafe. Uh, God bless you guys. Matt Betts, we love you all. Uh, worship with us now as we open the Word of God to John chapter 15. If you're joining us by audio or video podcast, uh, we love you as well. Thank you for finding us. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. I'm going to start with verse 5 this morning in the middle of a sermon series entitled Simple. Simply trying to take the essentials of the Christian life and boil those down into just plain talk. And this morning, I want us to talk about reading our Bible and praying. As pastor, one of the privileges and blessings I have is to perform weddings. I love weddings, maybe more than anything else. I, I just love weddings. Uh, probably some of that's related to the fact that I love my wife so much. I just simply love her, and every wedding makes me fall in love with her all over again. Whenever I am counseling a, a couple in pre-marriage, very often uh, they'll tell me the story of how they met and how they fell in love. And, and lots of times a couple will have become really, really good friends. Anybody remember this? You become very, very good friends, and there's a moment where you have to sort of define the relationship or redefine the relationship, but there's always this risk because you're afraid if you take the relationship to that next level, you might actually lose the friendship or destroy the friendship. You hate to risk the friendship for the sake of dating because the friendship begins to matter so much to you. What you soon discover is that that friendship is the soul of the marriage. It is the soul of the marriage. You want to feel like you've married your best friend, and you want to feel like that you are married and are living with your best friend. And if that is the case, then you know that you are blessed, and, and you will be happily ever after. The soul of the marriage is the friendship. Now, in the very same way, I want to start this morning by simply saying this. The soul of the Christian life is your friendship with Christ. The, the soul, the, the heart, the very center of your Christian life is your friendship with Christ. So once you become saved, as we talked about two weeks ago, and as you live in the body of Christ and the fellowship believers, as we talked about last week, you must begin to understand that the very heart of your life in Christ is this friendship, this deep friendship with Jesus himself. And this is a relationship that will be enjoyed and maintained on a daily basis like any other other relationship. You can't have a friendship without spending time, without talking, without enjoying one another. So the soul of the Christian life, the soul of your Christian life is your friendship with Jesus. Now, to put it very, very plain, one of the most important ways that you enjoy this friendship and maintain this friendship is with the daily habit of reading your Bible and praying. Now, I would say that most of you, if you've grown up around Christian people at all, then you understand, or at least you've seen this in the lives of other believers. This is the normal Christian life. This is what we do. We read our Bibles and we pray as a means every single day of spending time with Jesus. And that spending time with Jesus is about maintaining a friendship with Christ, which becomes the source of everything good in our lives. Y'all with me, you understand that much? Uh, read your Bible and pray every single day. Now, those of you who would say, Pastor Tim, uh, I don't really feel a lot of joy in my Christian life. I don't feel a lot of victory. I don't feel a lot of power. Or Pastor Tim, I don't feel like I hear the voice of Jesus. I don't feel like I have a friendship. I'm telling you, this is the missing ingredient. This is what's missing in your life. This is the step that you've skipped. 
You understand? And I want to call you back to it today. Those of you who have had a habit of daily devotions or quiet times or whatever you call it, you've got to have that habit. And if you've had that habit and have drifted away from it, I want to call you back to it today. This is the soul of your Christian life. And if you've never had that daily habit of reading your Bible and praying, I want to call you to a brand new habit today, a brand new way of starting out or finishing up every single day with Jesus. The soul of the Christian life is your friendship with Christ. To talk about this, turn with me to John chapter 15. I'm actually going to put the verses on the screen for you. John chapter 15, verse 5. This is an amazing larger conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And I'm going to zero in on simply three verses today. The third verse, verse 7, is our memory verse for this week. But verses 5, 6, and 7 are very important together. So uh, pay attention to this. This is beautiful. I am the vine. Jesus is speaking. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. I am so sorry. I really need Jesus with my iPad this morning. And then verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. John chapter 15, verse 7, that's our memory verse. Say it again with me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. John chapter 15, verse 7. Okay, let's sort of start at the end and work our way back in. It's the last part of this verse, which sort of seems like the most extraordinary promise ever made. And what does it say? You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Let that sink in. You may ask for anything. The Greek word here actually means anything. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. That is an amazing and extraordinary promise of prayer. Do you believe it? Hesitation? Do you believe this? Yeah, it's interesting, and you don't know what to say, do you? Because it is such an extraordinary promise. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. That, that, that's huge. That, that's huge. I remember as a kid, uh, again, growing up in a redneck family in Matlock, which is further out. I say Woodburn usually because you don't even know where Matlock is. It's out there past Woodburn. I grew up in the middle of the sticks, people just sticks. Um, my parents never had credit cards. So I never really knew what a credit card was until one day somebody explained it to me. A credit card is a piece of plastic by which you can just swipe at a store and you can buy things and you don't even need money. Now, as a kid, hearing about that, I'm thinking, I've got to get me one of those. <laughs> because I could think of all sorts of things that I might want. You understand? And as a kid, I mean, what would I do with a credit card? I could have anything I want. You don't even need money to buy stuff. How, how amazing and beautiful is that? I would have wanted a Ferris wheel. A Ferris wheel. No, no kidding. I would have definitely wanted a Ferris wheel. I would have definitely wanted a snow cone machine. I love snow cones. I love ice, period. I love Sonic ice. Now I would buy me a Sonic. 
just to have ice, understand? But as a kid, I would have had a Ferris wheel, probably a snow cone machine. I didn't want a whole lot. Again, I'm a redneck kid in Matlock. I would have probably wanted a ventriloquist dummy. I would have wanted to be a ventriloquist, or at least have somebody to talk to, understand? It's lonely, <laughs> lonely in the sticks. Ventriloquist dummy. I wanted platform shoes because it was the 70s and my parents would let me have them. Uh, they thought they looked worldly. I would have wanted to have had platform shoes and, and all sorts of things. You understand, as a kid, wanting a credit card and, and wanting all of these things, I, all I could dream of was all of the things I would have if I could have anything I wanted. Now, just to let you know a secret, I'm 50 now and I have a credit card. I do not have a Ferris wheel, however, <laughs> or a snow cone machine. I don't have platform shoes, but the day's not over, baby. The day <laughs> is not over. Why don't I have a Ferris wheel? My wants have changed. Something has happened in between when I first found out what I can have anything I want, and then I actually gained the ability to have anything I want. My wants have changed. So this outstanding, uh, amazing, extraordinary promise that you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted, that is 100% true. It is 100% true. It is also 100% tied to what comes before it. And this is the part that you have to understand because your Christian life is up here in these first two lines. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you see that? There's that if. It's conditional. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. It's, it's conditional on this part that you remain in him. No. what is it that the scripture actually says? Again, go back with me, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. This is Jesus talking, and what he says is very, very simple. If you belong to Jesus, you are like a branch in a vine. Now, can you picture that? Jesus has chosen an image that most anybody can relate to, a branch in a vine. Now, a vine can stretch for a long, long way, for miles. Understand? I've got ivy growing in my side yard, and if you started pulling it up, it just goes and goes and goes. A vine can go forever, and it can have many, many branches, understand? But the branches are completely dependent upon the vine. The vine is its source of everything that it needs for life. The, the branches don't necessarily have roots. You understand that? Branches don't have roots. The vine has roots, but the branches get everything that comes up through the roots because the branches remain connected to the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are branches. Your branches. So your life in Christ is, is, is necessarily and essentially connected to him. You're dependent upon him for everything necessary for your life. In my yard, I have walnut trees. I don't know if, I don't know, if you know anything about walnut trees. Walnut trees are weird. Uh, they have branches that just sort of drop out of the tree all, all the time. And so very routinely, every week before I mow, I typically have to go around and pick up these branches. These just dead, dry branches. You understand? And what do I do with them? I, I pick them up and I... I, I throw them away. They're useless. They don't have leaves. They don't have walnuts. They have, don't have life anymore. Why don't they have life? Because they've fallen out of the tree. 
that they are no longer a part of the tree upon which they were dependent, and so therefore they have no life, and they're thrown away. So this is exactly how many, many of you live your Christian life. You do not remain connected to the vine. You do not continue every day to maintain this relationship. Now, I'm not saying it's all up to you. Jesus says, if you remain in, in me and, and I remain in you, do you understand? Jesus has this incredible faithfulness to me. He tends to hold on to me when I don't hold on to him. And that's what's amazing about my friend Jesus. But understand, there's so much of this relationship in Christ that I never experience if I don't learn to remain in him, remain in him. It it is a a daily enjoyment of a relationship. It is also the necessity of my life to remain in him. The amazing thing that Jesus says here is, is, is those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, how is that true? Because honestly, apart from Jesus, you can do stuff. You prove it every day, a lot of you. You don't really live a life grafted into the vine. You live a life largely apart from Jesus, and you do a lot. You go to school every day. Some of you make good grades, and you're not necessarily living a life uh, that's drawing all of its life from Jesus. You go to school. You go to work. Some of you work every day and don't give Jesus a second thought. So apart from Jesus, apparently you can do something. Lots of you date without Jesus, and, and you'd be a whole lot better if you took him along. I'm telling you, this is part of your problem. But, but you date without Jesus, and therefore you get what you get every single time. But, but you date without him just the same. I mean, you're out there without him all of the time. So you can date, and you can dance. I mean, you can twerk. You probably shouldn't, but you can twerk without Jesus. You can whip a nae without Jesus. You can get married. I'm telling you, there is a lot. There's a lot that you can do. And most of you approve it every single day. So what does it mean to say, apart from me, you can do nothing? We'll back up. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll, you'll produce much fruit. A- apparently, there is something that God is looking for from my life. And it's not that God is, is trying to reach down and, and wring something out of me that's going to make me miserable. No, God wants to give me life like the vine wants to nurture the branches, you understand? And everything that he wants for me is honestly everything that I would dream of and want for myself if I only had the imagination to dream of it. He knows me. He knows what I am to be, and he wants the best for me, and he wants my life to produce fruit. So in other words, to produce the fruit that, that only Christ can produce means that, that although apart from Jesus, I can do some things, apart from him, my life is still useless to God. Isn't that what it says? Like a branch that falls out of the tree, we gather those together and prepare them for the brush pile. So yeah, you, you, you live, you, you show some signs of life, and it seems that you can get through things without Jesus, but apart from him, truly, you'll soon learn that you can't do anything that amounts to anything. Basically, my life in Christ and your life in Christ will always be summed up in four words. I can't. Christ can. I can't. 
Now again, you're cruising along pretty good maybe today, but, but there's going to come a moment in your life when you're going to recognize that you can't. And it's actually a pretty amazing place to get to. Sometimes it's very painful, but you'll reach a place where you say, I can't do this any longer. I can't do this. I can't take this. I can't stop this. I can't change. I can't change myself. I can't forgive myself. I can't help myself. I can't take this any longer. I can't. And when you reach that point where you realize that you can't, do you understand? Christ can. This is what the scripture teaches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But do you understand what the flip side of that means? With him, you can do everything. Everything. I can't, but Christ can. This is ex exactly why, exactly why he is the vine and I am the branch and I must learn to live my life drawing everything necessary from him. You draw your life from Christ and he sustains you every day with his word and with prayer. It, it, it's practical, but this is how he sustains you. I'm drawing my life from him, and he sustains my life in this everyday habit of reading the Bible and praying. Now, some of you say, Pastor Tim, I have read my Bible before. It didn't do anything for me. Well, you read it wrong. Can I just say that? You, you read it wrong, and, and you stopped too early. You just don't understand how this works. I've had a really difficult week. I had a really difficult week. But in the course of this week, in my praying and just begging God, you know, it's amazing how God has comforted my heart with Scripture. Now, I wasn't necessarily sitting there with my Bible in my lap. Some of you think I do that all the time. I, I don't. Sitting in that pew right there this week, I was praying my guts out. Just, you know, God, please, 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 please. That's the best prayer I could come up with. And then a verse just came up out of my heart. To trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's exactly what I needed to hear from God. But, but you know what? That's a verse I read a long, long time ago. So in other words, on some day when I was reading the Bible and probably closed it that day and thought I didn't get anything out of that, do you understand? The, the word that God gave me on that day was the word that I would need last Friday. You just don't know. You just don't know how he will feed your soul. And typically he prepares you where you are for what comes next. So very often the word that you receive today, it may not seem to connect today. It may be the word that you're going to give someone else by the end of the day. God works in, in mysterious and miraculous ways. Or it may be that that's the word that you're going to need tomorrow. But the bottom line is it's a daily habit and you just keep coming back. This is how he sustains you with his word and, and with prayer. It, it's a friendship. And, and Jesus is, if, if you're a believer, Jesus is the friend of your life. He, he is the, the friend of your life. And that means you just keep coming back to him. You must keep coming back to him. So let's start practically, just very, very practically. What should you do? Start here. Establish a set time. 
Now, those of you who know me, I don't do set times very well. I don't have a set time for nothing. I don't even, I don't even eat lunch at the same time every day. I mean, I can eat lunch at, at 11. I can eat lunch at 2.30. I can eat lunch just, I can eat lunch now. <laughs> I, I don't do routines well. I'm kind of a free spirit. I actually enjoy not doing the same thing the same way every day. I'm just not that guy. Now, now my wife is that. She is that girl. My wife, you could just set your clock by her every single day. If she weren't beautiful and awesome, I think she's like one of those Stepford wife, you know, robots. <laughs> Because she just goes right through it every single day. Warren Weeks is that way too. Warren Weeks, I mean, he just, man, I mean, he is on his trail and he doesn't, he doesn't come off of it. I mean, you just have to push him, you know, to get him to change direction. He doesn't, but, but I'm just not like that. So when I say the set, establish a set time, understand who's talking to you. Man, I don't have a lot of set times for anything. But, but let me just speak out of my own experience. Number one, you can pray whenever. Like I can eat lunch whenever. You can pray whenever. Actually, Paul says the best time to pray is always without ever quitting. Good luck with that. And that's what Paul says, pray without stopping, without ever ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time, don't ever stop. Well, so if I can literally pray all the time without ever stopping, if I can pray whenever, the danger is I'll pray never. You understand? The fact that you can pray whenever leaves this incredible likelihood that if you don't have a set time, you'll never pray because you can always come back to it. You can always do it later. You can always start this tomorrow. Do you understand? So I'm saying you probably need to establish a set time. Now, I don't know when the best time is for you, and I will say in seasons of my life, I've tended to go from morning to night. Presently, I'm, I'm doing my quiet time. My devotions happen in the morning. Not morning, morning like my wife. Casey gets up very, very early. Casey almost gets up before Jesus. I mean, but, but that's Casey. Casey wakes up early. She's just up early, and that's what she does. And it is a beautiful, beautiful habit of hers, and, and I love that about her. I, I roll in, you know, like second shift morning and, 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 and do my thing. There were long seasons of my life when nighttime has been best for me. And I've heard preachers say, you got to do it in the morning. You got to make first things first, put Jesus first. And yeah, I, I know all of that, but morning's not my best time. Night is. I'm more of a night owl. It takes me a while to get going in the morning, but I can stay up all night long. Reading doesn't put me to sleep. So when Wade was home, when our son was home, and, and when Casey and I lived that life with, with raising him, nighttime was much better for me. After Wade was in bed, after Casey was in bed, I would get back up and I would have my time. So I'm just saying, it's changed at different seasons of my life, but what has not changed is the fact that I keep coming back to it. I, I keep coming back to it. And you must do the very same thing. Establish a time, sometime. And if we're going to talk practically, why don't you start by setting aside 10 minutes? 10 minutes. You can do 10 minutes. Read your Bible and pray for 10 minutes a day. That's your challenge. If you've once tried that and, and you stopped doing it, I'm asking you to come back to that. This is the soul of your Christian life. Establish a set time. Start with 10 minutes a day. Okay, how many minutes? 10. Can everybody do that? Yeah, I, I think you can. So where are you going to start? Here. Again, I'm trying to get simple. Get a Bible and start reading it. 
really not making a joke. Get a Bible and start reading it. Now again, the fact that you have 50 Bibles in your house doesn't necessarily mean that you have a Bible that you will read. Turns out you go pick up that giant Bible that's on your coffee table, like the big family Bible, and, and it's, it's King James translated in 1611, and it reads like Shakespeare, and you're not going to read that thing. You're not going to read it. Part of you wants to read the King James because your grandma said it was the only Bible, but, but you're not going to read it because you don't understand it, and you don't want to learn a whole different you know, Elizabethan Shakespeare language to be able to read God's Word. And I'm with you. You shouldn't have to learn another language to read the Bible. So why don't you get a Bible that you will actually read? Get a Bible that you will read. The best translation is the one that you will read. You understand? I'm not being smart, Ellen. The best translation is the one that you will read. So get a Bible that you will read. The New Living Translation is what I preach from. There are many translations that I like. I don't say it's the only translation. It's a pretty good translation. One of the strengths of the New Living Translation is that all of the sentences are short. The New Living Translation is translated to be simple to read and simple to listen to in public reading, and that's why I preach from it. But if you don't know where else to start, get a New Living Translation. How about this? There is a New Living Translation Bible in the Purack in front of you. It's yours. Take it. It's like on Oprah. Everybody's got a, you get a Bible and you get a Bible and you get a Bible. Yeah. It's like Oprah. There's a New Living Translation Bible in this room at every seat. It's yours. They're cheap. They're paperback. We buy them so we can just give them away. Warren Weeks comes through probably on a special day at a particular time, and he replaces every Bible in this house. So you're not stealing we want you to have it. If you would take that Bible home and start reading it 10 minutes a day, starting today, I'm telling you, we will have done something very, very good as a church. So get a Bible, start reading it. Well, Pastor Tim, I, I've tried to read the Bible. I find it very difficult. I, I don't even know how to read. I don't read anything. Uh, I'll give you just a real quickly practical tip on reading. Look for a speck of truth, and speck is an acronym, S-P-E-C-K, we'll talk about that. Look for a speck of truth and write it down. Right now, if you're holding a Bible in your lap, it's your Bible, or if it's the one you're going to take home from the pew, go ahead. Take out a pen and write this in the front cover of your Bible, okay? Write this down, because this may help you tomorrow, all right? This is just practical. This is how to read the Bible. Right, look for a speck of truth. Just write that in the front of your Bible, and then we're going to go S-P-E-C-K, all right? Look for a speck of truth. Ready in the cafe? I'll do the same thing. Look for a speck of truth. Every single day you're going to read, you're just going to pick up the Bible and start reading. People will tell you to start in different places. Some people like to start in Genesis and read right through to Revelation. That, that, that's a good way to read the Bible. It's the way you read every other book in the world, so there's nothing wrong with that. Some people would rather start in, in the Newer Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those are the books about Jesus, and those are the books with stories, and some of the verses might be more familiar. So maybe start in the Newer Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Again, you'll find those in the, in the table of contents of your Bible. But in the front cover, write this down. Look for a speck of truth. When you're reading, first read and see if something in this verse reveals to you a sin that you could confess. A sin to confess. S, 
is for sin. When you read the Bible, you're always trying to see a mirror of your true self. And the Bible is very, very good. It's like a, it's like a sword that, that's living and active, and it has this way of cutting to the heart. So what you want to do first is read to see if there's a sin to confess. Is the Bible telling you something? Is God speaking through his word and showing you something in your life that does not belong in the life of a believer? If that's the case, then you have heard from God for that day and you confess that sin and receive forgiveness. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to walk in shame. You are not a slave to sin anymore. You belong to Jesus, understand? So S is for sin. Read the Bible and look for a sin that you might confess. Now, not every verse is going to point out your sin. Sometimes you'll find a promise to claim. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a promise to claim. So if there's not a sin, look for P, a promise to claim. You'll find God making amazing promises to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Um, uh, the, the peace that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There are promises to claim. And when you understand what God has promised, then you know better every single day what to expect from him. Understand? So S is for sin. P is for promise. E is for example. Sometimes you'll read a great story in the Bible, just a great story of, of Ruth or, or Esther or, or Joseph or, or Jesus, of course, or Paul. And, and in the story, you'll see an example to follow, someone who's living for God, living the life of faith. And you see that, that you need to emulate, be more like that person, do what they have done, say the things that they would say, find an example to follow. That's E. The C stands for a command to obey. Sometimes you read God's word and God will speak to you and you'll recognize he's, he's commanding your life. This is the way, walk in it. And when you see that command, then instantly you obey that. You change the road that you're walking and you begin to follow his commandments. This is just how you read the Bible. Is this making sense? A command to obey, that C. The last one is K. It's just simply knowledge. Sometimes you do read the Bible and you just get knowledge that you need to believe or, or remember. Sometimes it's just knowledge and you tuck that away because as I say, God always prepares you where you are for what comes next. So the knowledge that you're tucking away today, the, the word that he is putting in your heart it's probably a word that you're going to need tomorrow or the next day. You understand that there may be a day to come when this knowledge will matter. So none of it is wasted. Put that in the cover of your Bible. When you read the Bible, look for a speck of truth. And each day when you get that speck of truth, the sin to confess, the, the promise to claim, the example to follow, the, the command to obey, or the knowledge to believe or remember. Once you get that speck of truth for the day, write that down somewhere. Now, again, my wife keeps a notebook, and it's wonderful. When she leaves the house, I read it. Uh, I, I, I kind of do. Is that bad? Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Actually, I get some of my best sermons from her book. Um, I, I'm, I've tried to do that several times. I've always wanted to be a guy that kept a notebook like my wife or like some of you. And I have in my library approximately 13 brand new journals, you know, books that I wrote like in the first three pages and quit. Uh, so that's really not my way. My way is more to write in my Bible. So the Bible that I use for my daily quiet time, I tend to write in the margins, I underline, I, I draw circles. I like to write right in my Bible. 
And so write it down. Find a way to write it down because the things you write down, you tend to remember better. Look for a, a speck of truth. In this 10-minute time with the Lord, you're going to read your Bible and you're going to pray. That's the next step. You know, when the disciples had the opportunity to ask Jesus a question, you remember that day? What did they ask? He, he, they had the opportunity to learn any lesson and ask him anything. They didn't ask to learn how to walk on water, which would have probably been what I would have asked. They didn't ask for lessons in healing people or, or healing blind people. They just said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Even those who walked with him day after day, they still felt like this was the one part of their life that they really weren't getting right. Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. So some of you, especially those of you who walk with the Lord, this is probably the part that you struggle with too. You don't always feel like you're getting through or doing it right. So let's talk simply about prayer. You talk to God. You just talk to him. God is the easiest person to talk to because of what Jesus has done. God is the easiest person to talk to. God is easier to talk to than your spouse. God is easier to talk to than your best friend. God is the easiest to talk to because of what Jesus has done. He has given us access. He has removed the curtain. We read about that last week, remember? So God is not difficult to talk to because of Jesus. So, so talk to him. Just talk to him. Well, well, Brother Tim, I talk to him, but I don't feel like he ever talks back. I don't feel like I hear his voice. Well, this may sound over simple. But ask him questions and then just shut up and listen. Ask him a question and then be quiet and, and listen. Now, as I say, it's, it's a daily habit. And, and, and it's going to take you some time to become familiar with God's voice. You'll become more and more familiar with his presence in the same way that with any friend that you have over the years, that friendship grows deeper and more intimate. Your relationship with Christ is like that. And for some of you, you're brand new in this. You haven't used these muscles in a long time. You've never learned to recognize his presence by being in his presence. You've never learned to hear his voice by listening to his voice. This is how you practice this relationship. This is how you enjoy this relationship. You, you pray. You pray. Talk to God. Ask him questions and listen. This is the life of prayer. Now, yes, you can pray anywhere at any time. You can pray pushing your cart down through the grocery store. You can pray driving your car down the road. You can pray at any time, at any place. Paul says pray all the time, don't ever stop. But I would encourage you sometimes just stop and pray. Sometimes pray when you're not in the grocery store. Sometimes pray when you're not driving. This is a relationship that's worth your priority time. Give him some time. Give him some of your best time. Don't just pray at meals, although pray at meals. And don't just pray before bed, especially if you get sleepy, although pray before bed. Pray without ceasing, but, but make this a priority. Talk to him. Ask him questions. Listen, if you haven't already, you will learn to hear and you will learn to love his voice. So the verse says, remain in me. Remain in me. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it shall be given to you. 
I think you understand that if you were to remain in Christ and if his word were truly to take root in your heart, the things that you would ask for would change. Sometimes prayer itself is a great test of whether you should be asking for it or not. Sometimes I really want something, but the minute I ask God for it, I think, scratch that, God. That was so dumb. That was so dumb. I really do not need a Ferris wheel. Sometimes prayer itself is a great test of your desires. If you really can't pray for it, knowing that it's just silly to ask, wrong to ask, then, uh, then you've learned something by praying. But, but what exactly does it mean? Put it all together. Remain in me. I remain in you. Your word remains in you. Ask for whatever you want. It, it shall be given. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what does all this say about my Christian life, about my prayer life? Well, let me say this. Prayer is not so much having Christ do things for you. Probably when you're a new believer or when you're young, you think that prayer is simply asking Jesus to do things for you. And lots and lots of our praying is often preoccupied with asking Jesus to do things for us. But the deeper you go in Christ, the, the more you remain in him, the more of his word that begins to remain in you, you'll soon learn that prayer is having Christ do things with you. If he's doing something for me, then I don't need to remain in him. Do you understand? If he's doing things for me, then I can actually be apart from him. But this is a relationship, it's a friendship of, of dependence and, and joy and, and love. And Christ doesn't want me to be apart from him. He wants to be with me. And so my prayer life is not so much getting him to go and do things for me and to solve all of my problems and give me a shortcut around every trial. That, that's not what prayer is for. Prayer is having Christ do things with me and, and through me. And that's a very different thing. That's not having a, an, an Aladdin's lamp where you rub the lamp and get three wishes and you get anything you want. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is having a strong friend who will walk with you down every road. And once you know who that friend is, you will learn that having him with you is always enough. And if you can receive this, the answer to every one of your prayers is himself. He gives you himself. He will be with you. He will give you strength. The answer to every prayer is himself. It's not having him do things for you. Prayer is having Christ do things with you. My favorite quotes from one of my favorite prayer men. His name is William Barclay. This is what he says. We cannot expect escape from prayer when we cannot expect the easy way out. What we can expect is a strength not our own to do the undoable, to bear the unbearable, and to face the unfaceable. To get that, what we can expect is a strength not our own. Apart from me, you can do nothing, remember? What we can expect is a strength not our own to do the undoable, to bear the unbearable, and to face the unfaceable. 
not going to be an escape. It's not going to take the easy way out for you. That's not what prayer is for. But in your prayers, you will find a strength not your own from the friend of your life. His name is Jesus. If you are not daily in the Word, reading your Bible and praying, you are a branch cut off from the vine. Your life is useless. There's a lot you can do. There's a strength that you do not yet know. There is a fruitfulness that you've yet to discover. And there is a friend in Jesus that you haven't yet grown familiar with. Ten minutes a day, starting tomorrow. Hey, start today. Ten minutes a day. It is a relationship. Some of you say, Pastor Tim, I read my Bible, I've prayed. It, it, it didn't do anything for me. You're doing it wrong. When you read your Bible, when you pray, you don't focus on the Bible and you're praying. You focus on Jesus. You understand? This is his word. It, it, it is his word, but it is his voice that speaks through his word. This is where I meet him every day. Praying is where I... I, I commune with him like a friend. When you learn to meet with him every day as a friend, you will learn that there's no place you'd rather be. No place you'd rather be. And when you discover that, then you know the secret to remaining in him. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything that you want, and it shall be granted. Pray with me. Lord, you know we have no friend like you. God, so many of us live our lives as, as, as branches severed from the vine. We've not yet become convinced that we can't do it on our own. We haven't reached the point where the road begins to overwhelm us and we must recognize that we can't, but you can. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would develop this habit of, of drawing life from you and strength and peace and love, that we would learn to do this when the road is easy so that we will know how to do it when the road becomes difficult. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will fall down heavy in the cafe today and fall down heavy in this room today so that your children will learn to love you and long to be with you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to have a, a deep hunger for your word and a deep, deep desire simply to be in your love, in your presence with you. Lord, some of us have not heard your voice in so very long. Some of us have not thrilled to be in your presence in so very long. 
Lord Jesus, would you not gather us back to you and root us deep into the vine that we might draw all of our life from you. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us friends in the world. But Lord Jesus, help us to rediscover our friendship with you every single day of our lives. Starting today, we ask these things in your precious, holy, sweet name.